Oh, oh, oh. 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. Back to school, back to work we go. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
JM in the AM. Actually, a good song to play on a day like today. As the former Prime Minister of Israel, and uh, there was so much mixed reaction and mixed feelings about the contributions and uh, <clears throat> heroism and policies of uh, Ariel Sharon discussed over the last couple of days. A day like today, good song to play. Achenu. We don't, no word yet on that video, whether it's um, been released or not. I'll let you know as soon as we know. There's supposed to be an Achenu video coming out from the folks who produced the Achenu CD that comes from Isaac Honig. He does that selection on the CD. It's Achenu at JM in the AM. Benny Friedman before that with Misha Ma'amin. I tried to uh, get as many of the uh, Hask songs from last night into our first set. They played Misha Ma'amin last night. Did you catch it? Yeah, they it was there. Uh, you heard Eighth Day with Hule. You heard them last night with Hule. Ari Goldwag, special guest star with Amechad. He was there last evening. A uh, really nice performance. Mayor Sherman, our Monday morning theme song, Masecha Hashem, and from Regesh, Modaani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Monday on this January the 13th, day 12 of the month of Shvat. The funeral proceedings for former Prime Minister Ariel Sharon are going on. We will discuss the life of Ariel Sharon in the 7 o'clock hour. In fact, right after our news from Israel, uh, Mayor Weingarten will join me and we'll... Uh, Get some of his impressions and historical information and some of the things that uh, you need to know if you're going to know everything, or at least close to what you uh, could consider everything about the life of Ariel Sharon. Certainly a um, mixed reaction to his life, his accomplishments, his decisions, his policies. Uh, But I think you'd have to say that all in all, a a sad day. Israel has lost somebody who... uh, literally, literally almost really did and certainly was willing to give his life for the uh, state of Israel. Anyway, all that coming up after our 7 o'clock news. It's Monday at JM and the AM with 34 degrees, 84% humidity, winds are west at 2 miles per hour. Partly cloudy today with a high temperature of 51. Then tonight, showers late, a low of 43. Rain tomorrow, a high temperature, 47 degrees. Right now, 68 in Yerushalayim. Uh, 66 in Tel Aviv, Haifa, and a lot. We're at 34 here in Jersey City as we say good morning here at JM in the AM. Well, last night was the Hass concert. I got to thank Mark Zamek. He actually took over our uh, Facebook update page and the Toll Jewish Radio Twitter feed last evening um, from the Hass concert, and I thank him for that. Um, it, it's funny. First of all, it, wa- it was a great show. I, I gotta say that, uh, I mean, there are years that are great, the years that are not. Last night was, a, there was a certain energy that was just remarkable. And I have, I have participated in a lot of dinners and concerts over the years. And I could tell you stories about pledges and commitments and announcements of, um, financial support that have been made during different dinners, gatherings, even concerts. And I can tell you some disaster stories 
in the same category. Last night was unbelievable. Last night was unbelievable. For those of you not aware of the fact, and I don't know why this was not tweeted out, by the way. I, I was going over early this morning. I was going over a whole bunch of tweets from the concert. I couldn't believe I didn't see anybody uh, mention it. Uh, somebody in earnest, unless people just didn't believe it, someone in earnest during the concert, and I saw the text, I saw the actual text, uh, went ahead and anonymously contributed $300,000 for a new bunk to be built at Camp Hask based on something that happened on stage last evening uh, after the uh, amazing Harav Matitiao Solomon was quoted on stage. And it was ju- it was just incredible. I mean, that was just uh, an unbelievable announcement. And the other thing I'll say is that it's funny how the cavalcade of stars idea was ahead of its time because there was a time, go back somewhere between five and ten years ago, where when there was a cavalcade of stars and uh, two songs was done by each artist, it was not received very well. And there was vocal opposition from a lot of people who prefer when, you know, one artist gets out there and does eight songs. And last night, the cavalcade of stars worked. And I got a reaction from uh, a lot of people who were texting and emailing me who acknowledged how great and fast-moving and uh, wonderful a show it was. And that's interesting to me. I think the cavalcade of stars idea may have been before its time at some point. And now is being much better received. Anyway, there you have it. It was really a special night. Hask has some, I don't know, they've got, they've got someone watching over them because, uh, it just seems to, uh, to go well. And the, uh, the specialness of what goes on in Parksville, New York really does extend throughout the entire season and the entire year. JM in the AM at 25 minutes before seven o'clock. Thanks for tuning in. A very special morning for me. We're going to do, obviously we're going to do the, uh, uh, review of um, uh, Prime Minister Sharon and his life. Mayor Weingarten is coming up at 7.05 after our news from Israel, and we will get to that, of course. That is the news story of the day. Uh, but we'll get to some Jewish music later on as well, because um, as winter vacation begins for so many yeshivas this coming Wednesday afternoon, there are a lot of um, events that are happening, especially those in Florida that uh, that need to be... Um, uh, that need to be uh, announced to uh, everybody, so you know when you, if you're heading down to Florida, you'll know where you can take your family and enjoy some great, clean, wonderful entertainment. So we'll get to that. But in between, scheduled for 7:35 this morning is Coach uh, Johnny Halpert. Coach Johnny Halpert has coached Yeshiva University basketball, the Maccabees, the Max, for the last 41 years. He has written a book. He has written a book. The book is entitled, Are You Still Coaching? 41 Years Coaching Yeshiva University Basketball. He is coming to our studio today. And one of the reasons I'm so excited, aside from this being one of my favorite topics, I read this book yesterday. In fact, on the subway ride up to the Hass concert, I was, (laughs) I, I think people must have thought I was nuts. I was enjoying it so much. And I finished it last night right after the concert. And it is for any, I don't know if anybody else appreciates this book the way I do, although I'm sure that his players and feds, uh, from over the last many decades will appreciate it. That I can tell you. But in the general community, I hope it becomes a hit because there's so many amazing stories and wonderful things to be proud of as a Jew. Uh, so we will speak with him coming up and wish him a mazel tov on this, uh, on this release here at JM in the AM. 24 minutes before seven o'clock. It's Monday. At JM in the AM as we continue, this is from Yidl.
For now, the recording of that reunion is going to have to suffice, but I will tell you that last night's Ivduesh Hashem B'Simcha was just as remarkable. Unbelievable. Diaspora, of course, last night at the Hass concert. JM and the AM before that, Pischuli. 
the long-awaited reunion of the Diaspora Yeshiva Band off of the original reunion CD. Isaac B. Tone had light in the darkness. You heard Avremo with Ben. She did that last night. Anenu from Yidl opening up that set here at JM the AM. It's Monday on this 13th of January, the 12th of Shvat. Today, the former Prime Minister of Israel, uh, Ariel Sharon, is laid to rest. In fact, the funeral is taking place as we speak. Mayor Weingarten is going to join us right after our news from Israel to review what's been happening and to discuss the life of Ariel Sharon. It'll be an honor to welcome uh, Coach Jonathan Halpert to our studio later on this hour. He has a brand new book out entitled, Are You Still Coaching? He is the coach of the Yeshiva College Maccabees and has had an amazing career. We'll speak with him coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. In the 8 o'clock hour, we'll talk about some Jewish music happening down in Florida coming up during winter vacation. It's a Monday at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world in the web, jmnam.org. Golly, it's all in the background. News from Israel coming up. We'll air the uh, top of the hour news, assuming it's a uh, regular formatted News segment, obviously, with the um, a funeral taking place in Israel. Not sure exactly how it's being covered. Uh, but we'll do that. And then Mayor Weingarten, one way or the other, is going to join us coming up live via telephone, discuss the life of Ariel Sharon, and talk about what's happening today in Israel as the, I believe, 11th Prime Minister of Israel is being laid to rest. It's a Monday at JM in the AM. And uh, to keep in mind our social media sites on Facebook, Jewish Radio World with Nachum Siegel, Jewish Radio World with Nachum Siegel, on Twitter at Nachum Siegel Net. Instagram, just search the name Nachum Siegel and, um, and follow us on Instagram. And when we put up photos there, you'll be able to check those out. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Monday next at JMNAM. גליצל השעה שתיים, כאן שיבל קרמי מנסור עם מה שקורה עכשיו. דרכו האחרונה של אריאל שרון, הקומנדקר הצבאי ועליו הארון עושים כעת את דרכם לכיוון חוות שקמים. כתבנו עידן קבלר. אריאל שרון התאמן כאן בגבעת הכלניות שבחוות שקמים. בניו, עמרי וגלעד יישאו דברים, כמו גם הרמטכ"ל, הרב אלוף בני גנץ. מיד לאחר מכן יושמו כמה פרקי תהילים ותפילות, ולסיום ישיר מיקה גבריאלוב. את השיר האהוב על שרון, עם האדמה. לגבעת הכלניות הגיעו בשעה האחרונה ראשי המדינה, שרים, חברי כנסת, צמרת הצבא וגם מפכ"ל המשטרה יוחנן דנינו. אובדן גדול, יצא לי לעבוד איתו צמוד בעיקר בשנתיים האחרונות שלו כראש ממשלה. איבדנו, איבדנו מנהיג, מנהיג אמיץ. אסתר פולארד, רעייתו של המרגל הישראלי, ג'ונתן פולארד, הגיעה גם היא להלוויה. היא דיברה בתוכניתנו עושים צהריים עם יעל דן. אני מקווה, אני מתחננת ואני מבקשת שישחררו את יונתן כמחווה של חסד של אמת. כל כך מגיע לאריק שרון את המחווה הזאת. זה הדבר היחידי שהאמריקאים יכולים לעשות למענו עכשיו, למענם ישראל ולמען יונתן להציל את חייו. אירועי הלוויה החלו הבוקר בטקס ההשכבה ברחבת הכנסת. לאחר מכן הועבר הארון, הארון ללטרון, שם הצדיעו לו אלופי המטה הכללי. 
לבקשת המשפחה, הדובר היחיד בטקס בלטרון היה אלוף משנה דוד זיני, מפקד חטיבת אלכסנדרוני. הקרב בלטרון, שבו נפצע קשה ובו נפלו חללי החטיבה, עיצב את דמותו של אריק כלוחם, כמפקד ולימים כמצביא שהטביע את חותמו על צבא ההגנה לישראל. חטיבת אלכסנדרוני ופורום המטה הכללי מצדיע ללוחם אמיץ, מפקד ומנהיג. לרשות הציבור שמבקש להגיע להלוויה עומדים חניונים במכללת ספיר ובקיבוץ דורות ומשם יצאו הסעות לכיוון חוות שקמים. בגלי צה"ל אנחנו ממשיכים להעביר בשידור חי את אירועי הלוויה ביום שידורים מיוחד גם אחרי החדשות. עוד חדשות בקצר, בקצרה, שני פועלי בניין נפצעו בינוני ועוד חמישה קל בקריסת תקרה באתר בנייה באילת. הצעיר שנרצח הבוקר ביפו הוא מוסטפא יתין, תושב העיר בן 31, כך הותר כעת לפרסום. כתבתנו שרון פולבר מדווחת שעדיין לא נעצרו חשודים במעשה. עמוס רבינר, רכז מודיעין ברשות ההגירה, מואשם שקיים יחסי מין תוך ניצול מרות עם שתי פיליפיניות שהופעלו כמקורות. התחזית מחר תחול עלייה נוספת בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר. Monday morning, JM in the AM, Mayor Weingarten is with us live via telephone on this day as uh, Israel's Prime Minister Ariel Sharon is being laid to rest. Mayor, good morning to you. Boker Tov. All right, first do the schedule for us based on what you've seen and knowing you. You've been reading and uh, and watching and hearing everything happening in Israel. Uh, what is this uh, day like uh, schedule-wise? What's happening right now and uh, when will, in fact, uh, the official uh, funeral and burial of Ariel Sharon take place? And what happened already? Yeah. Uh, there was, uh, the, the casket was, uh, at the Knesset. It was, uh, available for the general public to pass by and pay respects. They did so, but not in the numbers that, uh, we've seen previously for, uh, other prime ministers or other, um, other personalities. Then there was an official ceremony there with, uh, speakers, uh, the prime minister spoke and others, um, including a surprise, uh, we'll talk about that later, uh, speaker. Um, then the casket was, uh, is now being transported from the Knesset to the burial place, which is just outside the farm of Ariel Sharon. This is the famous farm where people would come. It's, it's sort of like, you know, Lahavdil, the LBJ ranch, or right. the Bush, you know, <laughs> ranch in Texas. This was his home base. And uh, on the way, they're stopping at Latrun, which was a very uh, key uh, moment in uh, Ariel Sharon's life, the Battle of Latrun in 1948. Um, and uh, soon, I believe in a half hour or so, the uh, funeral will start. And there are two parts to it, as far as the, uh, the, the general public is uh, actually invited to come. And there's an, a large area with, with video screens where everybody can watch it. And then, of course, there's the area where the... The A-list sit. At what uh, point does the Vice President of the United States speak? He spoke. He, he spoke. spoke already? He did speak. He spoke at the Knesset. And, um, and, um, and, so, and, and a very, very uh, uh, good speechwriter, uh, you know, knew what to write. Any Hebrew expressions of note? or? Um, I, I didn't hear the entire speech. I heard clips of it. But definitely one of the things that he did, he quoted Sharon, was uh, when, when Sharon was asked 
about his change, about why he was doing certain things that his whole life he was against. Now that he was prime minister, he quoted the Israeli song, which, by the way, we played last week on the Israel show for that reason, Dvarim Shiro'im Misham Loro'im Mikan. What you see over there, you don't see from over here. Meaning, right. you know, when you're the prime minister, you see things differently. Right. The picture is not the same. And, and Biden quoted that, not in Hebrew and English, but it was clear that, uh, you know, that was something that only the, an inside Israeli would understand and know. Tony Blair was there, right? Yes, Tony Blair is there. He's also there at the, uh, at the um, funeral, uh, at, the, at the grave site at the Chavar HaShikmim. You mentioned Latrun 1948. That's where Ariel Sharon was injured? Yes. How did he survive? Uh, with tenacity, the same way he uh, survived the rest of his life. Because that was a that was a really bad blow, right? Physically, yeah, he thought he, yeah. he thought and, he was and determination gone. and tenacity, and uh, and and there was someone who actually you know saved him, right? Who made sure to, to who, who wouldn't not the, leave him there? What? Who wouldn't abandon him after he essentially gave the order to you know that if you have to to, to retreat, right? Look, that was part of his ethos in the positive. Uh, part of his legacy of not leaving anyone behind. One of the reasons, I mean, he made one of the, I mean, he made a lot of good decisions and a lot of bad decisions, like anybody else. And one of the bad decisions he made was the exchange of um, several hundred, I believe, um, if not a thousand, uh, Palestinian terrorists for the bodies of uh, Israeli soldiers, plus the release of uh, Elchanan Tenenbaum, who was right. uh, a civilian who was kidnapped as part, uh, in a crazy deal. And it was, ter- it, it, it was greatly criticized in Israel. It was a really bad deal. But people say that was part of him. He would not leave someone behind. And he saw an Israeli citizen in captivity, and he wouldn't leave him behind. And that was something he carried with him his whole life. Mayor Weingarten with us, talking about the life of Ariel Sharon. You mentioned surprise. What surprise were you alluding to? Well, Zambish, Zev Hever, is uh, one of the leaders of the Hitiashvut movement of Gush Emunim and the uh, settlement movement, uh, that, that group of people that, since 1973, uh, populated Yehudan Shomron. Um, he was probably the closest friend of, from within that movement to Ariel Sharon. They were true friends, even on a family level, real close. And uh, when Sharon went ahead and um, with the, with the um, expulsion from Aza, what's called Hitnatkut, um, obviously Zev Hever felt betrayed like the rest of the uh, movement. Right. And vociferously and, and adamantly and, and, and really in, in, in this strength that you can't imagine, opposed Ariel Sharon, and the friendship really fell apart. Uh, and the family requested that he speak at the Knesset, which probably is a way for the family to try and say, we'd like to make peace with that part of the population. What was the speech like? Uh, I heard parts of it. It was the speech of someone who loved someone very much and then was betrayed. So there was the love there, but also the feeling of betrayal. Wow. It, it, wasn't, a, it, it, it wasn't an acrimonious speech, but it was definitely a heartfelt speech. Must have been a dramatic moment for those who were there and were familiar with the background. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Mayor Weingarten is with us. Nine o'clock, he'll be doing the Israel show today, and you obviously will include, I'm sure, plenty of information about Ariel Sharon's. Yeah, life. in fact, what we're going to do is we're going to intersperse the music with short um, highlights of his life, uh, discussing both historic, but less so historic and more so conceptual, who Ariel Sharon was and his legacy. Um, it's funny, yesterday you and I were talking uh, off the air about um, uh, different things and reactions. Uh, I, I don't know if you noticed this in, in some of the more Jewish uh, you know, news sites this morning. There are those in Israel who are calling for a, a new um, a settlement to be established in memory of Ariel Sharon, that that would be appropriate. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, uh, there's an article I see here that the... Um, that there's that that a a member of Knesset has called for an investigation of anybody who has been rejoicing over the passing of Ariel Sharon. So you have like <laughs> you have you have like both extremes. You know, on one side, someone's willing to give up the the freedom of speech, so to speak, or the freedom of reaction because they may have uh, been expressing their joy. Maybe that's the wrong word, but you know, they may be uh, acting positively that Sharon. Has uh, has met his fate, and on the other hand, as uh, you pointed out to me yesterday, there are those who are calling for you know, settlements to be built. What greater way to memorialize a prime minister like this? And that is exactly the life of Ariel Sharon. Everything he did was controversial and polarizing. That is the perfect metaphor. He was a polarizing figure. He was a controversial figure, even in the army where everyone agrees that he did great things, he was very controversial about how he went about doing them. Um, And everything that he did in his life, even the famous, uh, probably the thing he's most famous for, which is in the Yom Kippur War, um, crossing the Red Sea, going uh, on the offensive into Egypt, even that there's controversy about. Right, and... Yesterday I was reading, and uh, and the author that I was reading was saying that Israel won the Yom Kippur War, or at least survived as best as they could because of that move. Do most do most uh, agree with that? That's the general notion, the general public, and and what has become the uh, unquestionably uh, the overwhelming way of looking at the Yom Kippur War is that. He saved the country and um, turned the tide of the war, etc. However, there are many. Uh, in fact, Ronen Bergman is probably one of the one of the most qualified uh, reporters and, and authors on on subjects of uh, intelligence in Israel. Wrote a book about the Yom Kippur War, in which he uses um, audio uh, recordings that came out le- much later that were kept by somebody, audio recordings of the back, you know, the uh, conversations between the commanders, in which he basically shows that Ariel Sharon did not listen to the orders that he was given, that the command wanted some, a, a different brigade to be the one to cross, that they felt it would have been better, but at that point he was already in politics. He had left the army and had just, just started in politics. And there are those who say, that he wanted to make sure that he was in the spotlight and he was the hero, and so he went against all the orders and he w- crossed, and that it was not as good for Israel had it been someone else. 
right. And uh, so, like I say, even the thing that he's most famous for is controversial. And I wanted to add on, on the point that uh, I had brought up regarding, you know, from one end to the other, uh, whether, whether in fact we believe this or not, the world perceives that the Intifada began with him going to the Temple Mount, right? That was the, uh, right. the instigator, so to speak. I'm not here to argue whether that's yeah. true or not. Well, but, we all, we all know that's not true. Right, but, yes, but, but, that's, but uh, that's the perception. And, so and it, it could only be the perception with a person like that. Right. And I say to myself yesterday, it's amazing. <laughs> the same man <laughs> was able to completely anger the Arab world. And at the same time, the same man was able to completely anger and infuriate Gushamuni movement. I mean, it's amazing. The, uh, right. But, and, and at the same time, as I say on the Israel show, uh, you know, which, which um, you know, people can listen to later, um, he is the, the the architect, the one that, you know. He's called the father of the settlement movement. He is the person most responsible for the fact that there are hundreds of thousands of Jews living in Yehuda and Shomron, and that you cannot take that away from him. All right, no question about it. Um, look, you know, I say that like everybody else, and like life itself, he was a complex multi-dimensional figure. But you know what I keep thinking of as I'm reading about him? That in the 1948 war, he was 20 years old. He was, yes. And, at the eight, and we know a lot of 20-year-olds now, you know. Right. And, and from his perspective, he was ready, willing to uh, unquestionably give his life for the state of Israel. Sure. Like, so, uh, by the way, like everybody else Correct. who was in the army. And, 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 ha- and, and it's hard to condemn people who at that age have made that type of commitment. Not only that, uh, he was in the army from the age of 20 to the age of 51. Right. He gave half his life to, you know, the army to defend the, Israel, and he did, he did a great job at it. He did the biblical army term. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, there are great, he did great things, and we owe him an enormous debt of gratitude, and at the same time, he made big mistakes. Yeah. And history will judge him for that. And, and the, mistake, the mistakes that he made um, cost lives and, and had devastating effect on, on, on many, many people. And that's what I say. It, it, nobody is either black or white. You know, right. it's uh, all of life is shades of gray. And, but there were certain things about him that are that you see throughout. He was a bulldozer. That they called him that, the bulldozer. Right. When he wanted something done, he got it done, and it didn't matter how. You know, ends justified uh, the means. It didn't matter how, and it didn't matter what. He did it. He got it done, and that goes. That's also through the army and through the you know Hityashvut movement, and uh, and of course through the Hitnatkut, uh, the the um, expulsion from Aza, the the um, withdrawal from Aza, all these things which were controversial things. He got them done, even though, in many cases, he got them done in ways that were questionable. Well, a day like today, we should appropriately say, may his blessing, may his memory rather be a blessing for all of Israel. Uh, the passing of Ariel Sharon, the funeral taking place as we speak. I thank Mayor Weingarten. I remind everybody that uh, Mayor will have uh, plenty on the life of Ariel Sharon during the Israel show coming up right after JM and the AM on the stream at jmtheam.org. You can hear that this morning. I should also note. That mayor will be here in this studio with me Thursday, to Bishvat is Thursday, mayor, so we'll see you for the celebration. We'll get to celebrate together on Thursday, Bezrat Hashem. And do I have it right? Is it, uh, 
Is it now, um, in terms of um, uh, living prime ministers, uh, Barack, Olmert, Netanyahu, and Paris? Anybody else that I should be thinking of on that list, or is that it at this point? Uh, I think that's it. Those you are know, the four. Uh, I, 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 um, I, I'm wondering, you know, Yitzhak Shamir uh, passed away not that long ago. Right. He didn't get this kind of a send-off, by the way. That's for sure. Um, that tells you a lot about the Israeli media in general. Uh, and Israel in general, and and who you know, yeah. I, I think that had Ariel Sharon passed away two years before he lapsed into a coma, you wouldn't be seeing this. Right. If it ha- the point being, if it was before his disengagement uh, policy, that's right. Before he right. shifted from the right to the left. Right. right. Mayor, I thank you, and I will see you Thursday, Bezrat Hashem, and good luck today. Everyone has a chance to hear your. Uh, um, a different uh, discussions about Ariel Sharon at 9 o'clock this morning on our stream. I thank you very much. Thank you. Mayor Weingarten, today is the uh, funeral of Prime Minister Sharon. It's happening as we speak. This is a Monday at JM in the AM. Thank you. 
with Sally Gold, Monday morning broadcast, JM in the AM, one of my favorite interviewees, Coach Jonathan Halpert of the Yeshiva College Maccabees, is in our studio. He's got a brand new book. We're going to speak to him coming up in just a moment here at JM in the AM. Very much looking forward to it. Finished the book yesterday, and uh, it is just uh, filled with amazing stuff. And I will uh, go into detail with the coach coming up here at JM in the AM. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Echonishmasar of Zebin of Yosef Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We read in Bereshis, Vayom Avram, Avram Avinu said, Ki amarti rak ein yiras elokim b'amokom The only thing that this place is missing is yiras shamayim. However, everything else was okay. The fact is that even though they may have had all the other midos, it would not help without Yerashamayim. The Pasuk in Kohele says, Soif Tovar Hakol Nishma, Kizeh Kol Ha'adam. The end of all things will be that everyone will listen, because that is all of man. This is to say that one shouldn't think that Yerashamayim is merely an extra quality that a person should have. One shouldn't think that without Yerashamayim, he's a person that just doesn't have that Midah. The Apostle comes to tell us that a person that does not have is not a man. He is a Balchai. He's just a creature. Because that's what we're made up of. The essence of a person is contingent on the Midah of fear of heaven that he has within. If he has a lot of Yerashamayim, he is an Adam Godel. If he has a little Yerashamayim, he is an Adam Katon, a small person. 
If he has no Yerashamayim, then he is not an Adam. Hagoin Rebbe Chonon Wasserman says that in Bereshis, Hashem said, Na'aseh Adam, let us make man. The Zohar says that Hashem said to all of the creations, let us make man together. We're all going to be partners. Each one of the creations gave over to Adam from its own traits and characteristics. The ox gave over the traits of an ox. The lion, the Ari, gave over the traits of the lion. Even the Nachash, the snake, gave over the traits of the snake. We see that an Adam is an Olam Katon, a miniature world that includes all of the Tchunus of all the creations from above and below. A human being has the greatest potential. However, Adam also contains all of the characteristics from all of the creations. Since we have all of this within us, we need to be controlled. Hashem created for us this control. It's Yira Shamayim. Only fear of heaven can restrain someone from being like a chaya, a wild animal. Without it, there is nothing in the world that will guard a person from destruction. Even if a person is a great chacham, his chachma, his wisdom, will not be able to withstand the Yetzahara, the evil inclination. That is why Avraham Avinu said, Rak The only thing this place is missing is Yerasalokim. It is Yerasalokim, fear of heaven, that defines who we are, that makes us an Adam. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. J.M. in the A.M., thank you, Rabbi Goldwasser. Uh, earlier we spoke to Mayor Weingarten, who uh, was watching closely the uh, funeral proceedings in Israel for Prime Minister Sharon, and uh, Mayor will have more to say about the life of Ariel Sharon coming up on the Israel Show between 9 and 10 this morning in our stream at jmandtheam.org. I highly recommend it. If you missed anything that was said earlier regarding the latest from Israel, you can check out the archive section of jmandtheam.org. Org. It's a Monday morning with 34 degrees, partly cloudy weather, and a high temperature of 51. And Coach Johnny Halpert is in our studio. He is the coach of the Yeshiva College Maccabees, and he has a brand-new book entitled, Are You Still Coaching? 41 Years Coaching Yeshiva University Basketball Coach. It is a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you very much, Nachum. Thank you once again for bringing me back. Making, it, making, me, making me into a star. Are you kidding me? You're one of my favorite guests, and you know it. <laughs> thank you, no, Nachum. Uh, so does the title suggest that people are constantly asking you if you're still coaching? Every day, about nine times, you know, and there's always two reactions. If I say yes, they say, what, you still are? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, uh, that's that's how I came up with the title. I struggled with the title for a long time. I couldn't figure out which title to use, and then one day I just decided, you know. You know, it's funny. The unusual part about you is not the 40 years, because I think there's got to be, am I right or wrong, there's got to be at least a handful of pro and college coaches that are coaching for 40 years. Your uniqueness, of course, is you're with one team for 41 years, right? Well, that's that's certainly unique. But uh, currently, right today, as we sit here in the middle of the college basketball season, uh, there's I'm in among f- all active NCAA coaches, one, two, or three, I'm in fifth place. There are only four other guys who have coached more than 41 years. Wow. And nobody with one team, or I shouldn't assume uh, that? I'd have to check that, but I don't think anyone with one team, no. Yeah, it's doubtful. No, and, uh, how, and should I ask how we're doing this year? Or this no, no, we're doing fine. I mean, uh, record, are we doing I, Yeah, yeah, we're four, we're four and eight, uh, but we've played very well. I love this team. I, I, it's, a, it's a terrific group of kids. 
play very well together. They just we just come up a little short, you know, uh, seven points, eight points, but we're playing very very well. Lehman and Farmingdale, we held them to seventy five, uh, sixty five, and fifty five points. These are games teams averaging eighty five points a game. But, you know, we just come up a little short. You know, six to lose by six, lose by four, lost to Hunter in overtime. So, you know, I'm very hopeful the second half of the year that we can turn those things around. The last two games we played very well. We did played it very, very well against a very good John Jay team, very athletic team. Is this year's roster uh, filled with uh, non-American-born players or not? This this year's roster for the first time since 19, uh, probably 1990 has no foreign students on the team at all it's all it's all yeshiva kids what does that say about our recruiting outside the united states it says it, it, it there is a statement there about the difficult how much more difficult it has become to recruit the israeli player there are there are a number of factors there some of them taking place in israel and some of them taking place here which has made it much more difficult to recruit the israeli player. you know what the discussion at my shabbos table was this week it must kill you and i know it does that this kid is sitting with a yarmulke in Northwestern. Oh, please don't get me started. Because, that's your topic, uh, because, right? That's your uh, topic. The, that's, Did you ever speak to him? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we. I, I, you know, I, I spoke to him, and uh, I don't know if we want to go here, but Why you know, not? It, it, okay, fine. So look, <laughs> let, let me, and I talk about this in the book. Yeah. You know, the, the, I love that chapter. The, you know, the kind, you know, the recruiting at yeshiva, looking for just right, and uh, and one of the things I speak about is D one mania. And what's D1 mania strikes, it's a very, very difficult thing for a 17, 18-year-old kid. Division over- 1 for those yes, not familiar. right, to, right. Overcome, to overcome the lure of playing D1 ball. You know, you know, so who wouldn't want to do that? So, yeah, I've spoken to all those kids, and they all opt all. There have only been a handful. Right. You know, been, there have been a number of kids who the process goes something like this. They, get, they do well in high school. The college coaches, they clip the article. They take a look at it, send out a letter. The letter right. comes. Kid reads the letter, thinks he's being recruited to play the D1 ball. Parents, all like all Jewish parents, go wild. The community goes, if it's out of town, the community goes wild. And everybody starts hoping that he's going to play D1 ball. Just like, you know, a number of years ago, if you see the name Moses... In the box score in baseball, you think the guy's Jewish, and everyone goes, it goes wild, and the guy comes up to the plate, and he's, you know, African-American. So, you know, and so I talk about that, that, you know, these kids opt to go to D1 programs. So I, I, I don't remember his name. I don't know if you recall his Lieberman. name. Lieberman. Okay, Lieberman. So was there ever any hope, or you would say no, he, I don't think so. he was basically I th- I think resigned he, I, I to going I think he always there. wanted to try that, right. and I spoke to his father, and although his right. father told me he wanted to come to Yeshiva, I... Which player who ended up being at Yeshiva were you shocked did not go the D1 route? Which one of all of them that did end up under your umbrella were you shocked did not go to Division 1? I don't think, I don't think there were any players who came to Yeshiva and played for Yeshiva who could have played, let me just emphasize, played for a D1 program. Right. And I, and I think that goes all the way back. I think, I think many of them could have sat on D1 benches. But uh, like but he no. is, we should note. I mean, he's basically right. sitting now. In the, bench. The, the thing that you know that, that upsets me about it is that I, you know, here's a young man, and I've had. Uh, I, listen, I you go the other way. I had a young man, Zach Gordon, who played for me. Right. He was extraordinarily successful, you know, and he opted to go to Penn, left Yeshiva, and went to Penn. Uh, not upset he did that. He, that was an understanding before he came in. But he played for us. He'd have been great for us. Said that he didn't play a second for Penn. Right. 
So and that's Ivy League. It's and not that's like Ivy it's League. That's correct. Right. So I, I just, you know, I think these fellows you know, would do so much better coming to Yeshiva. They would have great careers, graduate, do right. well, you know, the whole package. And to emphasize the positive, some of them have and have been amazing stars. And you have right. led an amazing – some of the people, some of the young men that you have led over the years are just – were great role models both on and off the court. And, uh, you know, as a father who likes taking his kids to the game, there's no better feeling than to – to, to see a guy representing the Jewish people who you could, you know, point to with your kids and just, you know, and, and marvel at the fact that they, they love being Jewish and they love basketball. Look, I, I, one of the reasons, one of the things that motivated me to write the book was I thought these fellows who came to Yeshiva, you know, should be recognized and people should understand the sacrifices they made, how difficult it was. And, the, and these are the young men who should be the heroes and all candor. You know, the, the Lieberman boys, who's a nice kid, a lovely right. kid. I'm not saying anything bad. Right, of course. He's not what he's, he should not be, you know, sort of on, looked up to. You know who should be looked up to? Feld and Ritholtz right. and Shalowitz and, uh, and, and going back to, to Chef, to, to Sheldon Goldman, all these other fellows Kufeld. who came. Uh, David Kufeld. In, in this building, sure. you have to say Kufeld. Excuse me, right. David <laughs> Kufeld. Uh, thank God he's in Israel now, so he didn't, hear, he didn't realize I missed him. But those are the guys that the Jewish community should be most proud of because these are the guys who took their skills to yeshiva and wanted to make yeshiva better. I've always right. said this. If they're such great players, why is it that the Jewish community gets so excited about them going to these D1 programs? Then come to yeshiva. Right. Take yeshiva to the promised land. Why do you have to take? Why, why do you have to? Why do you have to take some building made up of bricks that don't, doesn't stand for anything when you have an opportunity to represent the Jewish people? I, I don't understand it. It bothers the hell out of me. What bothers me is that when they, they don't they don't hesitate to use their Jewishness uh, to, to get to the top of the mountain. You know, and then when they get on the way up the mountain, they trample over everything that's Jewish. All the values. Now you've stolen my thunder. That's part of my reading that I'm going to be doing on the air this morning. That paragraph. But we'll get to that later. One of my favorite stories, and and we should mention by the way, especially for those who have to. Tune out soon. Is the book available? How the do people book, get it? The what best I- way to get the book is to go to my website. I, I smile as I say that. JonathanHalpert.com. Simple as that. Simple as that. And you'll see and go, click on where it says, are you still Are you still coaching? Right. It'll take you. You can order the book online. It's cheaper online than if you go to your local bookstores. Right. It is available now in the local bookstores, uh, the general store in Teaneck. It will be available out in Woodmere, in the Judaica house at, at Woodmere, and uh, in bookstores, I hope, in some of the other you know large Jewish communities. And but there are probably some people listening who probably know about 50 people or so that would appreciate a book like this so they could buy them in bulk if they wish. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we, we encourage bulk sales. And uh, By the way, I, I think it's a pretty good Bob Ritzford gift. It's a, this is great. I love it. Anyway, uh, there's so many great stories. And Thank you. I love uh, you know some of my favorite stories. We've discussed them over the years. I love the Purim McGillis story. I, mean, I just love it. And, and and one of the things that I love about the Purim McGillis story where your team ends up after the game having to hear McGillis is Purim night, right? right? Simple as that. Right. We know the YU team. The in, YU team. In Jersey City, by the in way. In Jersey City, that's right. right. In Jersey we know City. the YU team. It's an amazing mix of, of Jewish backgrounds. That's Correct. what it is. Correct. But when it comes to the Purim McGillis, the entire team is sitting there. It could be guys who never heard Megillah in their life. It could be guys for whom Megillah, they're making sure to hear every single word. And, and you're, t- even with some non-Jews, because one of your coaches was non-Jewish listening to the Megillah. Right. But they're together and they're experiencing this and they're showing, uh, because you have to actually borrow a room from the school, right? You have right. to ask for right. a place uh, to read Megillah. Right. We call, I called Coach Brown, who's a very prominent coach out here in Jersey. He said, hey, great coach. And I said, you know, I tell him I need a room Saturday night. And he said, 
for what? I said, well, we have to read the Purim So I had to go and give an explanation. And after the game, you know, 15, 20 minutes of the game, I remember going inside. We had a little, you know, post-mortem. It was the end of the season. Everyone was disappointed. We lost the ECAC postseason oh, tournament. Right. The ECAC postseason right. Everyone wants to go to the tournament, the tournament, and we just lost. And, you know, so I said, okay, take a few minutes, reflect a little bit. It's been a great year. Get dressed. Let's go. we got to read the McGillah. And, you know, and everyone got up, went inside, and we read the McGill. And, you know, Steve Padias was my assistant coach, a Greek Orthodox guy, you know, his, you know, a history major. It was, it was, it was a great experience. And you mentioned how, you know, re- reflect on, on, on what, ha- on this historical event for a few minutes, because now we're going to read about a much better historical event, right? Something like that you mentioned. Right. From, from thousands of years exactly ago. Exactly right. 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 So, um, one of the stories I love, Wednesday, March the 5th, 1997, you, of course, know exactly what story I'm talking about already. You go to Staten Island, you're playing the College of Staten Island postseason. Postseason ECAC. Despite the usual hysteria over postseason play, the Yeshiva players attended their 5 o'clock classes, arriving only 40 minutes before tip off. As we entered the gym, we're greeted with the following posting Due to the class commitment of the Yeshiva student athletes, our game will tip off at 8 o'clock, meaning it was delayed because, hey, you know, you guys take your studies very seriously, and that's a sign that continues to hang in your office, right? And it hangs downstairs in my office, and I say in, I say in the book, it's, I cherish that little piece of paper, the eight and a half by 11, more than the ECAC trophy, because what it meant for me, and what it meant for everybody, is Yeshiva could go to school until 6.15 and play in the ECAC at 8. And I'm very proud of that, because to me, that was my ultimate accomplishment, that I could take a group of guys, make sure they went to class till 6, and I, we could still bring them to the ECAC and play like everybody else in the postseason tournament. Right. And for them to acknowledge it in their very simple way by postponing the game an hour, I saw the sign. I, you know, So we went home. I took the sign. As we left the gym, it was, it was hanging on the door that I took the sign home, and I hung it up. Way so. before you were with the Y, before you were the Shiva College Max, uh, your life as a youngster really revolved around basketball. And there must have been certain mentors in your life who realized that this kid needs basketball and sort of help you along to, I don't know, to practice more or to, right. you know, to, to be out of the classroom when necessary. That's what it sounds like from the book. Well, the, listen, the, in my basketball life, you know, a high Wetstein, who's the long-time Yeshiva University High School basketball coach, who was a great coach, a great person. I played for him in high school. I like to say that I, I learned from him how you deal with people, how you deal with kids and his whole demeanor and his whole approach. So he was very influential in my life, my early life, you know, and certainly even when I was in college, he's, he was always there for me. And of course, uh, Red Saracek, who, you know, basically, you know, he was the, he's the Rebbe. You know, you went to the Rebbe and that's where you know, I played for him for four years. I write in the, I had a long chapter of my relationship with um, the evolving relationship to me and Red. It was a difficult chapter to write. It took me almost five months to write the chapter. And, but Red had an enormous influence on my life in college. Uh, it was a difficult relationship. And then from when I graduated college in 66, and he offered me the job in 72, until his passing in 2000, he, Red and I became enormously close. The relationship and we've just al- evolved. And we've always talked about the role he had in basketball in general. I mean, you know, he the tree, so to speak, of Saracek uh, uh, branches is well right. known to so many people in both college and the pros. At- but the Jewishness, the, and the, the, there was something about the Jewish pride and 
what he felt about representing yeshiva that it was immeasurable, right? Absolutely. Another reason I wrote the book, you know, besides the tribute, I wanted to have a tribute to the guys, was Reddit always asked me, certainly in the 90s, starting the 90s, Johnny, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. You got to let everyone know what it was like to play, you know, how hard it was. You got to let everyone know what it was like for the, t- the, the players. The c- and of course, I said yes, 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 but I, you know, I'm not, I wasn't a writer, eh? And, uh, and I certainly at that time was working pretty hard. It takes, it takes a long time to write a book. I can tell you if you're not a writer. If you're a writer, it takes a long time to write a book. So I never did it, but one of the reasons I did it is because I wanted people to know about Red, not just his knowledge and his genius as an offensive person, but his Jewish pride. It was incredible. I went to Yeshiva all my life, eight years, Soloveitchik, four years, Yeshiva University High School, until I met Red Sarachek, who was non-Orthodox, non-observing. I didn't understand what Jewish pride meant. I grew up in the 50s and the 60s when you didn't wear yarmulkes in the street, unless you wanted to have a fight. And it was pre-67. You're talking about Ariel right. Sharon today. Right. Pre-67. What happened after the 67 with the yarmulkes, from the baseball hats to the yarmulkes, and, and, and maybe about two years, and today you can't walk any place and not see kids with yarmulkes. Red sat us down. I remember, never forget this. He sat us down and said, You're, you are special. And he, you know, Red was a powerful, forceful man. You are special. And what makes you special and why I stay here is because I want to coach the Jewish team, and you guys are Jewish. When you go on that court, you don't forget who you are. You are Jewish. And you know what? You've got to beat Brooklyn College because Brooklyn College has Jewish kids on their team. I was saying to myself, why do I have to beat Brooklyn College because you have Jewish kids? I have to beat Mount St. Who and Mount St. Where and Mates. No, no, no. You've got to beat Brooklyn College because Jewish, those are Jewish kids. And they didn't come to Yeshiva. They turned away from Yeshiva. They should be here playing. This is the Jewish school. This is what you're supposed to Red wanted to beat Brooklyn College more than he wanted to beat anybody. Anyone. And, and anybody who played for Red felt that. I mean, there's so that many the stories. I mean, Red, you know, we, I mean, I'll just tell you a real quick one at Powell Memorial High School. I shouldn't have mentioned the school's name, but in any case, Powell Memorial High School, he had a little altercation with the, uh, one of the people at Powell Memorial High School and one, and, 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 uh, the administrators there, and the, the guy passed an anti-Semitic remark. They went down to tell Red, who was downstairs in the locker room. Red came upstairs. I thought he was going to kill the guy. They had to pull him off it, and so much so, Red used to sell Equipment to them. Red had a sporting goods store. He sold, he used to sell, he used to sell, this was a, a customer of his where he was making, you know, a lot of money. He wasn't making any money at Yeshiva. He was making money at a sporting goods store. And they called up the next day, the administration, to apologize. And Red said, Red would not accept the apology and would not sell to them anymore. You understand that? He wouldn't sell to them because they had passed an anti-Semitic remark. It took two or three years before Red would start selling to them again. That was Red's signature. Unbelievable. That was Red Center. So if you played for Red and you saw that, that if that couldn't, that if that doesn't didn't influence you, it influenced me. I can tell you that. That's for sure. Coach Johnny Halpert is here. The book is called "Are You Still Coaching?" Go to jonathanhalpert.com. dot com. Page one fifty seven in the book, you include a note from Red Sarachek. I want to tell you something. I read this at twelve thirty this morning, and I was welling up reading this. This is, I assume, his final note to you, or one of them. Just about the final note to me. We and see, right? he told. Knowing his personality, and again, anybody who went to Yeshiva who had any interest in sports has an inkling, uh, even if you weren't with the team, has an inkling of what he was like. I mean, the legend is unbelievable. In fact, I remember him coming up to Camp Marashah once. I saw him once in person, you know, relate to everybody. He he was one tough guy, let's put it that way. And and you getting this message from him must have been amazing. I, I I, I, I was overwhelmed. You see, first of all, 
Definitely understand. But one of the, when I started coaching, one of the things I wanted to do was carry on his legacy. I thought it was I thought I had an obligation to carry on his legacy of how the game should be played. I also believe that's the way the game should be right. played. I believe that to this day, and right. I'll always believe it. And you've told us that many times, uh, hundreds of times. Right. And that was red. That red, red taught me that. I, you know, I, I would like to believe in red. I would like to believe that I, I, I used it, built on it, which is red. Red always encouraged me to do. So I always wanted Red's recognition that I was doing a good job. That's all I wanted. People used to think I would worry about what this guy said and that one said. I never worried about it. I only worried about, I always worried about what I was thinking, how I felt about myself, if I did a good job, and what was Red, what would Red think? What would Red think? Am I doing the right thing? Doing, not that he, not right. that Red was the perfect, no one's the right. perfect coach. But his input meant right. something. So to we you. went to Florida. I wanted him to come to the game, but he was too sick at that point. He had he suffered, you know, from some heart failure. But you brought the guy. team to him, right? So I brought the team to Red. Oh, that must have been unbelievable. And then the couple, he, and he was tough got, on some of the players even there. In he his was the same room, right? Red. Listen, some people have said to me, you know, you weren't kind to Red in the chapter. What? And I said, oh, no. I, I, I said, I, first of all, I, I don't agree. I said, here's what I was. It's a truthful chapter it depicts red as red was and that's all red ever wanted correct just tell just tell the truth no nuance he couldn't stand nuance and he sent me this card i read it and i read it all the time all the time i cannot tell you how many times i have read that card when the first time i got it i just i just stared at the card because it was well, if you read the book. Get the book, and you'll see. You yeah, know, I, don't, I don't want to spoil get, it. Get the book and read the card. It's, uh, I was I, thinking I, of I, reading I, it now, but I, let I, people I, read it themselves. It's I cherish amazing. it. Yeah, it's a great. It's yeah. It's, Johnny Halpert is here. We're talking about Yeshiva College Maccabees and the incredible uh, uh, things that he has done over 41 years as he continues uh, to coach. The um, here's the here's the paragraph that you referenced earlier. That I could you imagine. Of every paragraph in this book, and you know how many of them I enjoyed, this is the one that I made a mark to read on the air. Because it just, I, I think it says it all. I am always saddened when leaders of Jewish sports organizations or individual athletes do not hesitate to publicly parade their Jewishness when it serves their interests, but do not demonstrate an equal zeal to publicly respect the traditions that make their Jewishness distinct. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot stand victorious on the mountaintop trophy held high, proclaiming your Jewishness when your accomplishments are achieved by trampling on the institutions that created your Jewishness. This was in the aftermath of when a Jewish organization wanted to hold tryouts and did hold tryouts on Shabbos, right? Right. That's, this goes back to the, uh, the Maccabee Committee. Let me just preface. you know, the Mac- People who run the Maccabee Committee have done a fabulous job. These are fabulous people. These are great people. I, I, all, all I'm saying and maintaining is that that you cannot allow yourself, your own ego or your own need to be like everybody else, to push aside your own values. Right. Now, if you want to do that on your own level, that's yeah. fine. Go right ahead. But yeah. don't you can't represent any organization that's that that has its its whole foundation is predicated that it's Jewish. The Maccabee Games are for Jewish kids. Can't so, hold tryouts on so, Shabbos. So you can't hold tryouts on Shabbos. Whether you believe it's a religious organization or not, I believe it. You want to hold tryouts, fine, but then you're not a Jewish organization. And I it, and so there was a controversy. They had tryouts. I fought very hard. Eventually, the kids did not have to come to the tryouts. But the Joey Eves and Ronnie Schwartz and Karen Green right, at that time from Fountain right. Highlight, right. you know, so they did, they only got they tried out on Sunday. They, they got cut, whether they should have or they shouldn't have. I'm not stopping my argument, but I was I was very upset about that. And you see that all the time. And again, it going it goes back to this. 
the, the, this D one this D one mania. The the young man. I, that I, basketball is more important than Shabbos, right? And you can't sit on the bench with a yarmulke on Shabbos. Right. You can't do that. You can't. Why? Why are they writing a story about you? Why are they writing a story about Tamir Goodman? Why are they writing a story? What is with the, all the hoopla about these kids who are going here? This every couple of years you have this guy who's going here because you're Jewish. That's what it is. No, what do I mean, Johnny Halpin? Why do people? Why do people know me? What's the big deal? There are thousands of coaches out there. They're very good coaches. They're good guys. So and so. So why? What's so, all of a sudden? Johnny Halpin's such a big deal. What makes me a big deal? I coach at yeshiva. I'm Jewish. I'm religious. I coach you. That's that's who I am. That's what gives me who I am. So what am I going to do? Take that, use it for my own self-interest, and then trample over Shabbos and trample over this and trample over that, trample over the Jewish values that gave me the trophy? You, have, you can't do that. You can't do that. You shouldn't do it, and it bothers the hell out of me. Go, Coach, go. I, listen, <laughs> I love Yeshiva University. I love what Yeshiva University stands for. I know what it's done over the – I know what it's done for me. I know what it's done for my family. I know what it's done for my, my kids, my grandchildren, and thousands of others. It's – the concept of Yeshiva University is phenomenal. Look around the country. Look around the world. The leaders – the leaders of the Jewish Orthodox Jewish world, Yeshiva University. Can you envision what 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 Orthodox Jewry would be without Yeshiva University? It's impossible to to, to to comprehend. I love it. I'll always love it, and so I feel very strongly about it because Yeshiva University says the following: You can do anything you want to do. You wanna you wanna be a doctor. You wanna be a lawyer. You wanna be a Nobel Prize winner. You wanna be a basketball coach. You can be anything you wanna be. And you don't have to sacrifice anything. And that's my message. That's what I believe. And when I see that somehow people are coming along and using their Jewishness, it bothers me. Like I said before, the real heroes are the Felds and the right. Ritholtz right now who could have taken their skills and sat right. on the D1 bench. Right. Those are the kids. Hold those kids up for crying out loud. And in addition to that, by the way, I've seen you uh, interact with good players of yours who you just didn't feel uh, forget the yarmulke issue you didn't feel represented yeshiva well the, the, you, 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 sometimes the arrogance ego whatever it is and, and that troubled you. you do it dress however you want but when you're representing yeshiva you have to behave a certain way it's been my message you know uh, you know i've had oh i've had countless private conversations with kids i mean i can't even i spend more time off the court than on the court with with kids you know trying to get that message through I think to a great extent, no one's, you know, no one, no one bats a thousand, you know. I think I've gotten that message through, you know. There's a, there's a couple of stories of kids who came, you know, they were, look, when I recruit, especially the Israeli kids, when I recruited the Israeli kids, there were a lot of kids I could have brought, I was very careful. I felt I had to bring the certain type of kid, right. not just a ball player. Obviously, right. I was looking for ball players. I was obviously looking for good students. That that was the easy part. I was looking for guys who maybe weren't coming out of a certainly weren't coming out of a Dati background. Right. Although many of the kids were Masoreti, and right. many of the kids had you know and so on and right. so forth. But they, were they quite, did fit in, right? But I, find, I I was looking for kids of of character who I thought could fit in. I thought who could learn a great deal from being at yeshiva, and I thought the yeshiva quote unquote yeshiva kid could learn a great deal about the Chiloni Israeli, right. the non-Dati Israeli, which right. I thought was pretty important. It was, a, it was sometimes could be a difficult mix to bring the group together, to have the meshes, you know, as, as a group. It's one of the things I'm proud of is that I've done that. But the thing I'm most proud of is that all the Israelis who came have, first of all, gone back to Israel, right. which I'm very proud of. Uh, and they all, you know, 
served in the army before they got to Israel, right. which I write about that in, this, in the book with uh, Dr. Israel Miller, right. who's a, who was a genius, just a, a genius, and what he did for Yeshua University is unbelievable. But I thought it was very important, and I'm very proud of that. Even I go now go to Israel, we we see the kids, and we stay close to them, and see their families, and you know, now are they all Dati? They all Shomer Shabbos? No, but they're all home Friday night. They celebrate Shabbos, and and most importantly, they all say the following: I never understood what modern Orthodox was. I never understood there were religious people like this. I had I had I had a family, a purely Chiloni family, who didn't want the kid to go to yeshiva because it was a religious institution. Because they didn't, they never saw this before. And when, upon graduation, came to me and said, "We owe you an apology. We're sorry. It's the best thing ever that happened to our son. What you did for him in terms of schooling and so on and so forth. And his career was great, but more importantly, that he now comes home and fights with us. That the settlers are not so bad." It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Um, this whole, uh, it, it, you, you have, I mean, David Kufeld, obviously a, a basketball legend, and anybody yeah. from my generation. Right. I mean, you know, like my kids worship Rafi Halpert, so, you know, right. I worship right. David Kufeld, as right. you know. Right. Ironically enough, I ended up taking over this job from him. Right. But, uh, when he was drafted by the Portland Trailblazers, it seems from the way you write, and especially the funny part with his parents thinking, you know, oh, that's right. the end, he's going to be off the derrick. It seems he was the right guy to be drafted by the NBA. He he understood exactly what he was doing. He enjoyed that week or two, whatever it was, out of the NBA training camp and understood that this is not his future, but just the beneficiary of representing the Jewish people because of what this man in Portland did. God himself couldn't. God himself picked David Kufel for that for for being drafted. There were a lot. Of, there were a lot of players who quote unquote could have been drafted. Right. Everything lined up, circumstances lined up, but David was the guy. Because David understood who he was. He understood who he represented. He enjoyed what he represented. He, to this day, David still holds himself in, in, in that great, uh, such dignity, you know, oh, such geez. incredible dignity and kindness. So he was the perfect representative. Jack Ramsey was the perfect coach. Right. Uh, Larry Weinberg was the perfect owner. Right. David was the perfect player. And his parents, they were the most <laughs> wonderful people in the world. His mother was the, a, a great, by the way, a great, uh, not only a great woman and a great mother, but a, a you know, a communal leader. She was president right. of, uh, president of, uh, I of think, Amit I think for many years. I think the big synagogue out there started in their house. If I'm not great neck, the right. synagogue started there. So right. for David to be drafted and to represent and to go out and understood exactly what it was, and he, he, if anyone hasn't seen it, one of the reasons to go to, go to the book is that it references an article in the New York Times right. that David wrote about what the experience was like. David's a terrific writer, by the way. David should write a book uh, because he writes beautifully. And you can just see there the sincerity and the understanding of many of the things we're talking about. He, 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 he can articulate it, but he can articulate it because he feels it with, from his innards. You know, this is not something that's imposed with just it's not lip service. That's what David believes. David, you know, it's the relationships with players and coaches. It starts out as a vertical relationship. And as you move on, you move on. You know, the guys get older. I get older. You know, you, it's sort of, you know, I, I come down a couple of pegs. They go up. You know, now we're talking about children and grandchildren and marriage. You know, we, we relate, there's so much more that we can relate to. But 
So David and I have this, you know, have this long relationship. I turned to David a number of times in terms of writing the book. You know, I sent him some stuff. I said, David, what do you think of this? You know, uh, you know about titles and book covers, and what do you think about this, and what do you think about that? And you know, David's uh, David's one of the really, really good people you can turn to because he'll tell you when he thinks you're, you know. I don't understand what you're doing here, you know. He's right. not, I, which, which he is, stops I, you in your tracks. Uh, listen, I admire, I admire, and I like to surround myself with people who are, don't hesitate to say, Coach, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Now, my wife doesn't hesitate to do that, <laughs> and my kids certainly don't hesitate to do that, but that's one thing, you know. You know, but first, but I but love this it. is one of your students. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like that. That's what I like. I don't want people, you know. And I, anybody I, out there who's giving their kids books about Dolph Shays and others to read about Jewish heroes, give them <sighs> Wikipedia articles about David Kufeld, and give them New York Times articles about David Kufeld, and give them that Sports Illustrated article about David Kufeld that I probably read as a kid 400 times, you yeah. know, during that one shot. <laughs> when he was drafted. <laughs> comes, it, David Kufeld couldn't have sat on a D1 bench? Of course he could have. He never wanted to. For the first time I met him at the, at the, at the Kings Point game, uh, he came to see in high school. Right. You know, oh. I get up out of a timeout. Kings Point is beating the hell out of us. You know, these big guys, you know, going about to go out to the boats, that are playing against the Yeshiva guys. We're getting pounded on the boards. And I get up from the timeout and I see this guy, six, seven, stand, he stands up and he's wearing a yarmulke. I said, Oh my God, look at this. You know, so he could have done that, but he didn't. You see, those are the guys that deserve our credit. Practice in George Washington. You never even got a chance to practice in That's Hampshire. right. Never, never nights, was in the two, Max Stern two, Athletic Two, three center. nights a week. Yeah. You know? Oh, please. And there's it, so much about that. And I, I, I just got to mention, I, like I said, I could do this with you all day. So I got to mention that people will, will read about that, the shuttling back and forth to a, a million uh, different varieties of places to practice, even a bit gymnasium without Basketball hoops, That's which is right. which is interesting. We've right. discussed that actually in the past. Right. Also, you have a bonus section in the back. This goes through what is it? The every roster of every team from 1930 to 2013. Every player who ever played for Yeshiva University is, is listed by team, by captain. I have I have. I stats regret there. not playing for you just because I didn't. So make you want to get in the book? Well, you know, there was a part of me that said, "Listen, the more names I put in the book, maybe the more books I'll buy. I'll, I'll sell." You know, kid. Kid comes in and says, "Is my name in the book?" I said, "Your name is in the book. You wrote about me." I said, "I said your name is in the book. I didn't tell you I wrote about." You've given me a good strategy. In my book, I'll put every guest I ever had. Every, nothing. Every guest, every family member, put the name in the book. Get them in the book. So that's a good bonus section as well, yeah. we should mention. And you, and you have a, a whole host of great comments about coaching your sons and then coaching with your son. Uh, you know, now that I'm a father for a while, so, you know, I always wonder when it's good to step into their arena and when it's better to just, you know, be out of their arena. When you're coaching your son, you know, you don't get that opportunity to step too far back, so to speak. What would you say to parents about that experience? I would say, in general, parents should not coach their kids, period. Period. I don't think it's. I don't think it's good for the. I don't well, in your I, case, it was unavoidable. It was unavoidable. You had kids who wanted to play for Yeshiva College. Right. I wasn't going to. I wasn't about to retire, right. and my kids wanted to go to Yeshiva. So what am I going to do? So, but in general, I would say it's not good because it's not good for the son. It's not good for the kid. It's a no-win situation for the son. It, it, it's difficult for him, and if the uh, it, if the father will have to fight with himself. To overcome his natural tendency for his kids, and you found yourself doing that constantly, all the time. And if anything, if anything, I would, I would err on the side of being too hard and too tough, and, right. and even so, it was, a, it was, a, it was a difficult, a difficult relationship. It was a difficult relationship. It was a difficult thing to do. Uh, I have, I've, in retrospect, and I write about this in the book at the end. I regret a little bit that I didn't enjoy it more. Right. I should have enjoyed it more. But, but my kids. 
to their great Yehuda and Rafi to their great credit, you know, it never, it never, it never bothered them. They just were able to overcome it. And I write in the book, you know, the eleventh commandment: have faith in your children. And having Rafi as an assistant coach, I mean, is he? I mean, I'm not joking when I ask this. Is he seriously telling you how wrong you are constantly, or not? Oh like, my God, Rafi doesn't miss an opportunity. <laughs> you know, what kid doesn't miss an opportunity? To tell his father. No, you know? Because the reason I say this because assistant coaches generally their role is to guide you either with positive or with negative Absolutely. comments, right? Listen, one of the great pleasures I've had in coaching. The last two years is having Rafi as my assistant. It, it's been, so that's a pleasant experience. Oh my God, it's wonderful. So even with the it's, back and forth, it, it's much it's better than wonderful. coaching him as, it, as a oh, player. Oh yeah, much better because it's between you and him. Right. You know, not, you know, you don't have to. I write about it in the book when Yehuda's first came, he got booed. No one no, because he's Halpert's son. Yeah, no yeshiva player has ever gotten booed right. ever except my kid. Right. I mean, since 1972, I'm right. sure not before that either. Right. He got booed. What, he hadn't taken a shot. It was the first time he walked onto the court. Because the the assumption was was that he was going to be favored. He right. had, you know, so so it's it's difficult. But this is this is between me and Rafi. So I get great thrill when having him there. And we hear amazing things of his coaching ability. Rafi, you know. listen, Rafi, can, Rafi can coach. Rafi is a good coach. I don't have, you know, like I've always, I've always said, you know, I don't I never never try to promote myself. Right. And don't try to promote my kids, your behavior and your actions and what others think. That's what matters. It's, you know, that's, if, that's what matters. So, right. but, uh, yes, so maybe as a father, I mean, I should stay. Well, Rafi has an advantage here. The Seagulls have always been big Rafi Hopper yeah. fans. Well, Rafi's, done a, <laughs> Rafi's done a great job at SAR, and SAR is a, is a great institution, and they've, you know, they value him and they respect him. And Will they and be that, at Sarachek? Or we don't know yet? Well, you know, everybody and makes that's not your decision. It, no, it, it is partially my decision. I am involved in that, and a lot of people think that because I have a relationship with MTA and I have a relationship right. with SAR. But I, you know, I'm very proud to say the one thing I love that, about the Sarachik tournament is it has great integrity. Right. It has great integrity. Who goes to the tournament? The rules are very specified. We have discretionary picks, which we make no bones about. A discretionary. You mean pick. I can't lobby you now for a you certain? You can lobby. High, everybody lobbies for a certain me. high school that I would like to see at Sarachik. Everybody can lobby. Everybody does. <laughs> but you know, but we, but we've laid out the rules. And Mr. Polayoff, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best there. <laughs> Arthur and I go back a long time. Yeah, Excuse me, sure. so you referred to him as Arthur, but yes, we go back to uh, Camp Raleigh Boys Bunk 13, so wow. that's a number of years ago. All right, so we'll hope to all reunite at the Sarachek tournament, hopefully. I, <laughs> all right, quickly, I'm sorry, but I, I'm telling you, I love having you here. Uh, so many important things. God does not control the ability to foul shoot. <laughs> and people have to stop thinking that God controls you. If someone shoots 100 shots a day, they have more of a chance than if they sit and pray for a foul shot to go in, for that foul shot to go right. in. As I, say, as I say in the book, I have, you know, my life is, is controlled by the concept that God controls. You right. know, we, we play at God laughs. And, Correct. You know, but when it comes to foul shooting, I place, but I, have, I place my faith in fundamentals, not in God, because it, you know I used to I used to go to these Metropolitan Writers Basketball Associations uh, luncheons every every week, and every coach gets up and gets a chance to talk about his team. And invariably, you know, on television after games that they come over to play, he made a shot. I want to thank God for the shot tonight. I always say, What do you think, God? God was rooting for the other team. God doesn't care about the other team. He only cares about you because you made the shot. So I got up there one day and I had this business idea, you know, and that we should go to, you know, that was when cell phones were just Coming, dial a prayer. Dial a prayer. <laughs> God, you know, and you pay me a hundred bucks. I'll give you. Get a rabbi. He'll say, "Blah, Baruch Atah Hashem, make the foul shot," and then I can make it on both ends. 
because the other guy calls up his Baruch Atah Hashem, Mr. Faust. You'll be so. collecting on both sides, huh? Yeah. Talk jo- about hedging your bets. Right. And, and George Blaney, who was the coach of Seton Hall at that time, then went on to a long career. And they're a religious school. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, he so wanted, he believes in God. Yeah, oh, he said that. he wanted to be my business partner, you know. <laughs> he liked the idea. He huh? said it's a great idea to make a lot of money. Uh, and then uh, you talk about Shabbos with the team. And I, 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 first of all, I know that there's a special, um, there's a special atmosphere on a Saturday night game coming out of Shabbos. That's number one. Because everybody else who's on the court has been practicing and shooting around all day. Your guys have been resting all day, basically. Rested, <laughs> eating and resting. Chilton Kugel. That's exactly. And you've asked the guys. Who prepare for a game like that? Yeah, huh? you know, that's on the, that's on the Duke's training tables. Chilton Kugel. <laughs> and, um, and then you mention that so many of them come to appreciate Shabbos just by hanging out with you and your wife and, and that, uh, the personal time that they get, and, right. uh, and, which is also right. a tremendous right. accomplishment. Well, I, I got it. You know, listen, my wife, it's, you know, Natalie comes to all the games, and Natalie is involved, but you know, the willingness to host you know, on Shabbos two guys, four guys, six guys, and the entire team, you know, is so a lot of that credit go, goes to her. And for many of these guys, it's the first time they've experienced, quote-unquote, Shabbos. And it's an unconditional Come to the house. It's unconditional. I'm not waking you. I'm not waking you up for Minion. If you want to come to Minion, come to Minion. By the way, I will just add right. that most of the time it's the fellows who have never been to Minion who are up at nine at Minion, and the guys who have always gone to Minion. Those are the guys who strolling around, you know, uh, laning time. Interesting. You I know? don't know. I don't know why I find that so hard to believe. No, uh, <laughs> it's not hard to believe at all. But you know, but it's, but yes, it's, uh, it's a great experience. And finally, you talk about this story and your role, and you know, look, you, you know, it, it, God puts everybody in a certain situation. You realize that somebody on the team was dating a non-Jewish woman. You're saying to yourself, you know, this is not, I, you know, none of my business, not my role. I'm not a keeper of God. But you find yourself having no choice but to at least speak with the young man about it. Right. And it turns out to be an unbelievable story. Well, it was very hard not to realize that one of my players was dating a non-Jewish girl because here was this very attractive African-American young lady sitting right behind my bench with a big cross <laughs> hanging down her neck. And I, and I, I assumed that she had, you know, uh, sat down behind the wrong, the, uh, the wrong bench. Right. And she announced to me, no, 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 I, you know, I'm number 24's uh, girlfriend. And I said, oh my God. So it was hard not to recognize it. And then, and so eventually I said, listen, I have to talk to him. And we talked. It didn't go well at all. And, but life, you know, you, let me tell you something. Everybody, you know, what, what, so you want to, you know, you want to be a coach. What does it mean you want to be a coach? And I started out, you know, got to win games. You know, that's what coaching is about. Winning, winning, winning. You got to win games, championships, yep. da, 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 da. What's more important than that? Right. And at the end of the day, you know, the, it's all about the little things you do. It's not the big things. And I cannot tell you over the last two or three years how many kids have come. We had a book signing in Teaneck yesterday, which was like, I can't believe I was doing a book signing. You know, Johnny Halpert, you know, from Washington Heights doing a book <laughs> signing. You know, oh, my God, what is this? This is not real, you know. Like I'm some kind of, you know, big shot, you know, big author or something like that. Anyway, but I, even yesterday, guys come to me and they say, you know, you remember you did this and this for me, and you know, it, it, and they always say the same thing: you changed my life. And I said, so if I changed their lives. And I, you saw this young man who was I, on his way to uh, preparing for Rosh Hashanah with his son, right? Right. And, the, and just recently, you know, this young man eventually, you know, married a Jewish girl, and 
And just about a year ago, I guess it's a year or two of you guys, I was in a, you know, a kosher bagel store. I want to make sure everyone out there There's a kosher bagel store. And in he comes with this young man. He's coach, go, you know, purely by accident. I said, yeah, so where have you been? You know what you're doing? So I just, me and my son, we just went for haircuts. I said, you know, right next door to the bar. I said, well, that's great. He said, yeah, yeah, we're going to go to Shul tonight. We're going to Russia, China. And I, you know, I had, I worked, you know, what do you say? You know, you just, so I said, well, that's, you know, that's just, that's just great. Okay, coach, I'll see you. I said, yeah, you know, put me a stranger, come around. Yeah, I will, I will. Here's my email address and so on and so forth. And he walked out of the store and I just sort of sat there. And I'll tell you something. I sat there and thought about it for a few minutes. Like I sat and thought about when Red, Red sent me that card. Right. And I looked at that card and I thought back with all the messages that Red gave, many of them, Besides all the X's and O's and the yells and the screams, just those, you know, those speeches and how he conducted himself. And, how, and I thought about that. And I thought about this young man. And it was sort of like, you know, 40 years, 45 years sort of all kind of coming together. And then I was in the midst of writing this business about, you know, so you want to be a coach and stuff like that. And also I just realized, I said, you know, it's really just only about little things. Everything's about little things you do. You never understand right. the consequences when you do something nice, which you don't even think is a big deal, you have no idea of the quote-unquote unintended positive consequences when you do something like that. And when you do something wrong, you know, you do something wrong to a person and hurt a person, you don't understand the negative consequences right. of what you do. You know what Red would have said to you uh, post this story with the young man marrying the Jewish woman? He would have said, you're a winner, Halpert. That's what he would have said. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I hope so. By the way, before we wrap up, a big thank you. Um, I, I am taking the role on behalf of any dedicated fan. And you have fans who, like me, are there once a year, and you have fans that are there every game of their adult life. Uh, I mean, you, you, people would find it hard to believe how many people are following Yeshiva Basketball. If they read this book, they'll get a, an idea of it, of how many people around the country and around the world are following and how many people love coming both to your arena and to the away arenas to see the team play. So uh, thank you for the special shout-out on that in the book. And on behalf of all the fans, thank you for giving us so much Jewish pride and just uh, a, a wonderful feeling to bring our kids and for many people their grandchildren and just see the words yeshiva on the uniform and, uh, and watching a, a team representing our people go out there and represent us well. And let me just conclude, Nachum, by thanking you for, you know, for me to sit in the radio studio and be interviewed, I mean, you have to understand, for me, it's like, wow, I'm in the radio <laughs> studio and be interviewed. So I have to thank you for your support and over, over the years, and thank you. A pleasure. The book is called Are You Still Coaching? 41 Years Coaching Yeshiva University Basketball, Johnny Halpert, and I cannot end without reminding everybody that there is a schedule of games that they can come and enjoy Yeshiva. And you know which ones I'm picking out this year, uh, Coach? I'm picking out, I believe it's February 1st, Saturday night, right? February 1st, Saturday right. night, the night before the Super Bowl. Right. You are going to be at home at 8.30 p.m. That's correct. People, it's a great family night, a great right. date night, a right. great, just great night to come up to the YU campus. I think even this farm sales already ah, started by Thank then. you very much, Dr. You gave me a great segue. And listen, there are plenty of home games in February, which coincide with this farm sale. There you so go. So come to this, camp to the games a little earlier, go to this farm sale, buy my book in this farm sale. Is it going to be there? And, oh, absolutely. Fantastic. Buy my book in this farm sale. And if you can't get in this farm sale, do it JonathanHalbert.com, do it is that how they do it on the radio? And come to the game and cheer. But remember, buy my book. Thank you very much. That's, that's how it's done. 
and uh, and you could even uh, and, and you're allowed to buy Sfarim at the Sfarim sale even uh, in addition to Coach Halpert's book, and then read them during halftime if you want. You, Absolutely, you can watch the game, and wouldn't that be perfect? Why you combination watching the game and then reading your your Talmudic books during halftime? Wouldn't that be the perfect combination? And I should also mention that on Saturday night, February the twenty second, you all and I like pointing out the big family friendly game nights. Right. That's why I I point right. those out. So yeah, and please Saturday night, February twenty is senior night. Eitan Sullivan, who's a, a kid from Teaneck, is sure is, we know. He's completing his career. Ushi, his father's completing right. his career. Four years playing for Yeshiva. It's mm-hmm. senior night. It'll be a great night to come out, especially the people, the local people. It'll be a great game. And to you know, honor the seniors, uh, Shlomo Weisberg from, from Chicago and Yoni Ekman from Philadelphia and Eitan Sullivan, a local boy from right here from Teaneck, New Jersey, who will be going out in the place of glory. Coach, God bless you. Congratulations Thank on you the book. Much, Johnny Thank Halpert you. on a very special Monday morning at JM in the AM.
David Gabe is uh, part of an amazing event going on in uh, Florida, which we're going to get into in just a moment. I want to thank Coach Johnny Halpert, who is with us in the brand new book, Are You Still Coaching? I meant to men- I-, I wanted to mention that uh, our very own Robert Katz, of course, is uh, spoken about by Coach Halpert in the book as well, not only for being an amazing fan, but uh, uh, for doing so much regarding the broadcasting of the Yeshiva College Maccabees, a whole chapter on that as well, or a whole a whole topic of that as well, about broadcasting and the Internet broadcast being listened to all around the country, a whole bunch of stuff, which uh, we highly recommend. It's a great book. Um, and thank you to the coach for joining us. Earlier we had Mayor Weingarten on. We were talking about the uh, funeral of Ariel Sharon. He will uh, continue that discussion coming up between 9 and 10 this morning on the stream at jmnam.org, the Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten comes up at 9 o'clock this morning. If you missed any of the uh, uh, discussion regarding the um, uh, funeral and the legacy of Ariel Sharon, you can check out the archive section of jmnam.org um, from earlier today. Uh, Mayor started with us about 7.05 after our news from Israel. 34 degrees, partly cloudy, a high temperature of 51. We've got both. Uh, Moshe Bernstein and Yoni Schwartz with us live via telephone from Florida. Yes, yes, yes. Coming up in the Sunshine State, the first annual midwinter concert presented by Yeshiva Taurus Chaim Taurus Emes with Michal Pruz, or Michal Przanski as some of us know him, at David Gabe, Saturday night, January the 25th at the North Miami Beach Performing Arts Center. It begins at 8 p.m. The event will also feature Nachas, the Zmiros Choir, music by the Takiya Orchestra, you can go to ytcteam.org for information, ytcteam.org for information. Uh, Moshe Bernstein is executive director down there of uh, Taurus Chaim, Taurus MS. Welcome to JM in the AM. Thanks a lot, Nachum. How are you? Nice to speak with you. And Yoni Schwartz, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, is actually coordinating the event. Am I right? Of course. Yoni, welcome to the show. All right, so whom of you can tell us why, after all these years, the Yeshiva has decided to take the Yeshiva winter break and present a concert? How did this idea come up? Uh, actually, Nafon, that, uh, that, was, that was something that we've been working on for a few years. We, uh, we looked at the demographic of those that come to the Florida area, as well as the events that go on, and we said, what a wonderful way to make a fundraiser with so many people from both Florida and out of state coming to join the warm, sunny weather, why not give them an awesome concert as well? So you're expecting a big crowd from outside the Florida area. How has the uh, reception in Florida been so far to the event? Are people excited about a big Jewish music event going on? I, I've heard buzz from as far down as the Florida Keys and as far uh, as far north as West Palm Beach County. So we're, we're definitely hearing buzz all over the Florida area as well as 
Toronto, Chicago, New York, New Jersey, and other places uh, across America, as well as England and Israel. We have no clue how many New Yorkers come to Florida during uh, Yeshiva break starting this weekend, do we? Uh, I have no idea, but JetBlue <laughs> has a pretty good handle on what's going on. <laughs> they, they would actually be good consultants on this issue, the JetBlue folks. They could probably give us some uh, hard statistics on what's going to be happening over the next few days heading down to Florida. Uh, Taurus Chaim, Taurus Emes presents Michal Brzezinski and David Gabe Saturday night, January the 25th, beginning at 8 p.m. down in North Miami Beach. Moshe Bernstein, there are so many people. We point this out every time we talk about your auction, every time we talk about the yeshiva in general. There are so many people from around the United States who are taking advantage of your yeshiva. You're not just for Floridians. Are you still enjoying a big population from the New York, New Jersey area? It's unbelievable. There's so many kids, so many applicants. Every year. Why is it? What's happening down there? What has been created and has been enhanced to the point that so many are heading all the way down south to go to your yeshiva? Well, uh, the high school that we have right now currently has 150 boys. We have, aside from an unbelievable Judaic studies program, we have a phenomenal secular studies program as well. We have full-time teachers. Our scores, classically, are off the charts. High SAT scores, ACT scores, and AP scores. And you have that strong dual curriculum, uh, along with the great Florida weather, and Rebaim, who have a great uh, personal connection with their students, it makes for a great recipe for success. We have 25 boys in the dorm right now, wow. and dozens of applicants are ready for next year. And in the post-high school, the base Medish, where we have 55 boys, again, we have uh, many kids from New York. Very nice, and that continues to grow. How do people get information about the yeshiva? I know a lot of folks are going to be in Florida. Obviously, that's our discussion this morning over the next 10 days or so. If they want to come visit or speak to you, what do they do? Well, uh, they could definitely uh, go to the website at ytcteam.org. They could call the yeshiva, uh, 305-944-5344. And uh, the principals of the high school are Rabbi Mordechai Paga and Rabbi Yehuda Bergida. Yeah, I think they're known up here as well. Yeah, well, you definitely helped us a lot with uh, our partnership in the Chinese auction. Yeah, well, <laughs> I tried my best. A lot of people I know uh, support that auction from everywhere. It's amazing. I mean, you've told me how your website is uh, filled with orders from all around the country, not just from Florida when it comes to that time of year. Hundreds and hundreds of your listeners participate, and we really appreciate it. Moshe Bernstein down from uh, from speaking to us from Florida. All right, Yoni Schwartz, why Michal Przansky and David Gabe had you choose this lineup? Michal Brzezinski is a parent in our yeshiva. Nice. Um, we really thought that the best way to showca- showcase who our yeshiva is is by including as much of our family as possible. And David brings so much energy to uh, to the stage that I just thought that the two of them paired together would be an unbelievable show. Very nice. Sounds like it's going to be a great show. And it's happening Saturday night, the 25th. What can you tell us about the North Miami Beach Performing Arts Center? Is this a, a high-quality arena? I would say I was there... Uh, not so long ago for a concert with uh, Benny Friedman. And the, everybody that I've spoken to said the best part about the theater was that it was A, not too loud, and B, not a bad seat in the house. Very good. And Moshe Bernstein knows that I have trouble sometimes with the geography down there on the east coast of Florida. Uh, North Miami Beach would appeal to a whole bunch of areas. No matter where people are staying, if they're on the east coast, they're they're pretty close by. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, you're 15 minutes from Hollywood, Miami Beach, five minutes from Aventura, so we're really uh, centrally located. All right, so people who um, uh, want to spend the 25th 
of January at the concert. That's that uh, Matzah Shabbos, January the 25th. It's North Miami Beach Performing Arts Center. David Gabay, Michal Przanski. The choir is the uh, uh, Zmiro's Choir. The Takiya Orchestra is doing the music. And Nachas is going to be there as well. You've actually added a third act, right? Nachas is going to be uh, is going to be participating as well. Correct. Information about all of this, the easiest way, and to order your tickets, is ytcteam.org. Stands for Yeshiva Taurus Chaim Taurus Emes. Ytcteam, T-E-A-M, dot org. You can also dial 646-239-7334, 646-239-7334. Three, four. And I would assume once people get down there this weekend, they'll see plenty of posters and announcements about this. Am I right? I don't think you could walk into <laughs> any Jewish store and not see a poster in all of South Park. Yeah, I had a feeling that if anyone's going for pizza or falafel or just some basic groceries, they're going to come across the information about the January 25th concert. Definitely. Uh, does it have a chance to sell out? Do you think you guys can uh, pack the place on the 25th? I'm challenging anyone and everyone to make our dreams come true and sell out the concert. All right. There you have it, folks. Uh, you can enjoy Florida, and in this case, you could add a Jewish music concert to your schedule. Saturday night, the 25th of January, with Michal Przanski and David Gabay, beginning at 8 p.m. at the North Miami Beach Performing Arts Center, presented by Yeshiva Torres Chaim, Torres MS down in Florida. Moshe, uh, Yoni, anything you want to add about the event? Uh, I... I really hope to see as many people there as possible. Uh, it's going to be top-notch performance, and we're hoping that you know those that are not able to come to Florida this winter will take advantage of the opportunity for good Jewish music and continue to come down in the future for future performances. All right, there you go. Next year, we're hoping you can make it down. I hope so. I hope I can actually make it down and play a role next year. The um uh, the, you know, it's the New York crowd coming down, uh, Amosha. You know, there's the New York crowd. You know, they, they, they see, uh, they see events. They see a lot of big, uh, top performers. Here's an opportunity for them to get up close and personal with two, uh, great, uh, Jewish music stars and to, uh, participate in a, uh, in, in a great concert for a wonderful cause. I hope everyone takes advantage and comes on out on the 25th. And I thank, I know that we were, we were supposed to be joined by who? Was it David or Michal? Both. We were supposed to be joined by both. All right. Unfortunately, they have not made contact with us, but maybe we'll uh, speak with them at some other time. But I know they're guaranteeing a wonderful night for the 25th of January, so everyone should go and take advantage. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Good luck on the 25th of January. Thanks a lot. Take care. Have a great day. Yeshiva Taurus Chaim Taurus MS presents Michal Przanski and David Gabay, January 25, at the North Miami Beach Performing Arts Center. Go to ytcteam.org if you're down in Florida. For winter vacation, it's a perfect opportunity to include some great Jewish music in your schedule. This is JM in the AM.
Michal Brzezanski, he'll be down in Florida the 25th of January. My thanks to Moshe Bernstein and Yoni Schwartz. They're coordinating that event for Yeshiva Taurus Chaim Taurus Emes. Nishay Cares and Maimonides Medical Center invites you to their annual birthday celebration of Mothers of Multiples. The Mothers of Multiples support group is celebrating their 16th birthday celebration. It's happening tomorrow night at Maimonides Hall, 950 49th Street in Brooklyn, New York. Sponsored by the Shea Cares. It's happening tomorrow night at 8 p.m. These speakers will be the New York City Fire Department representatives on the topic of fire safety in our home as it pertains to our lifestyle. Tomorrow night, mothers of multiples, you are invited and you should take advantage. It's a great group. I've really enjoyed the fathers of multiples groups over the years. This is mothers of multiples at Maimonides Hall on 49th Street. It's happening tomorrow night at 8 p.m. There'll be a buffet dinner, gift for all attendees, and free parking information. Contact Mati Berkowitz, M-A-T-T-I Berkowitz at Yahoo.com, M-A-T-T-I Berkowitz at Yahoo.com for information. 
JM in the AM with 34 degrees, partly cloudy, and a high temperature of 51. I want to thank the sports rabbi, Josh Halleckman. Josh, I thank you. He was obviously paying attention to our conversation this morning. He tweeted that David Kufeld is one of the people who helped his family make Aliyah and move to Israel. Wow. That is wonderful. We're going to get Josh. We've got to get Josh on the week of the Super Bowl so he could tell us about all the other sports that are going on during Super Bowl week, like Israeli soccer and basketball and <laughs> all the other stuff that he is following unbelievably closely. It's incredible how closely he's following uh, everything. You could actually follow the sports rabbi if you want to get his tweets and be up to date on everything happening in sports in Israel. Um, if you missed any of our conversation earlier regarding the uh, passing of Ariel Sharon and his funeral, which uh, took place now, and uh, and his legacy, Mayor Weingarten joined me after our news from Israel at about 7.05. You can check out the archive section of jmnam.org. Also, Mayor... Uh, we'll have plenty about Ariel Sharon during the uh, hour we call the Israel Show between 9 and 10 this morning on our stream, starting about 20 minutes from now on jmnam.org, so you can catch that. Uh, he'll have uh, a music and discussion that uh, he always puts together so well, so you'll be able to check that out and, um, and learn from what he has to say about uh, recent uh, modern Jewish history. There's a lot to say. And you'll be able to catch that. Hey, don't forget the 9 at 9 is tomorrow night. Top 9 at 9 is tomorrow night. You can vote for your favorite song. Maybe you heard a song last night at the Hess concert. That was new and great and wonderful. Uh, you can vote for that one. Uh, or any song you wish. Go to the 9 at 9 link at the top at NahumSiegel.com and you'll be able to vote for your favorite song. Yossi Zwag will count them down tomorrow night. Uh, starting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We call it the 9 at 9. It's all based on your votes. If you go to the 9 at 9 link at the top of NachumSiegel.com, you will see where you have the ability to vote. Maybe this song will be in the top 9 tomorrow night. Brand new from Yaakov Shweki. <laughs>
debate about song selection at Hass concerts. I think the greatest debate was about that selection yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, it, it is a great song. We all know that. Any, di- any real diaspora fan knows it's a great song. But it was very interesting choice, I must say. Very interesting choice, choice to be chosen in the, uh, to be included, rather, in the diaspora set yesterday at Hass. Um, Yassi Zweig tweeted that he felt the highlight of the night was Ivdues Hashem Basimcha. Sung by um, sung by Avramel, Benny Friedman, Eighth Day, and Diaspora. It was a pretty big moment, I must say. That was a big moment. That, uh, by the way, Yossi's Wag during the 9 at 9 on Tuesday nights includes some type of throwback tune or some other bonus tune. He should include that one. He should include the original Ivdu from Diaspora. Not that I'm telling him how to uh, run the 9 at 9. Uh, I don't tell anybody who to vote for or how to run the 9 at 9. You just go vote. Go to the 9 at 9 link at the top of NahumSiegel.com. Make sure to vote and participate in the uh, democratic process of finding out what your favorite songs of the week are. We've done a lot this morning, which could be included in that category. JM in the AM, and um, at 10 minutes before 9 o'clock on this Monday, don't forget the stream goes all day long. We've got... An incredible Israel show with Mayor Weingarten coming up next. He's going to be uh, talking about Ariel Sharon, appropriate music, etc. It's all happening on the Israel show. Mayor Weingarten coming up between 9 and 10. Arye Lightstone with Tech Talk coming up between 10 and 11 this morning on the stream at um, org. That's between 10 and 11, and an amazing music mix coming at you starting at 11 a.m. all through the day. Take advantage. Keep it on all day long. Brand new from the Achenu CD at JM and the AM.
J.M. in the A.M., that's the, um, the Believer Shalayim selection off the Achenu CD. Achenu Bishalachim, our brothers and sisters in Israel. We are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, J.M. in the A.M. dot O.R.G. Getting great reaction to the conversation with uh, Coach Halpert this morning. If you missed it, check out the archive section of jmnam.org. Great brand new book. Just, uh, well, I think uh, most people would love it. Anyway, um, tomorrow morning we're back starting at 6 a.m. Coming up next, it's Mayor Weingarten and the Israel Show with plenty about the life of Ariel Sharon. That's coming up between 9 and 10. Arya Lightstone with Tech Talk between 10 and 11 this morning on our stream at jmnam.org. Have a fabulous Monday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.